With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the latest episode of The Shamrock. I'm Pete Sampson, joined as always by my co-host Matt Fortuna in snowy Chicago. Uh, and today, to complete the Midwest weather misery, we have Dane Brugler, our draft analyst from Northeast Ohio. We're all uh, sort of snowbound today with kids at home. Um, so what a perfect day to talk NFL draft and mock drafts, Dane. This is this is your specialty, your time of year. Thanks for uh, making some time for us. And I guess just first off, Notre Dame... They've they've been pretty regularly in the draft, I think, over the last few years since the program rebooted. Um, and this year, I feel like they're they have a lot of interesting guys, both at the maybe at the in the first round level, but also maybe day two, day three, a lot of um, a lot of intrigue about where some of these Notre Dame guys could go. Yeah, no question. Notre Dame's going to be very well represented uh, over draft weekend, and some of these guys, yeah, like you said, we. We have a pretty good feeling who we're going to hear from uh, on day one. And then it will be interesting who maybe sneaks into day two. And then day three should be pretty well represented uh, by the Irish. So, uh, you know, that's what you would expect from a team, uh, you know, that was as successful as they were this year on the field. Uh, and so it's, it's a, it was a very, it was a veteran team, a lot of seniors. Uh, you know, we saw that at the senior bowl, uh, Notre Dame was very well represented down in mobile and, uh, that'll carry over to the draft. So it should be really interesting. They had a half dozen or so players down at the senior bowl. Ian book was obviously the one who draws the most attention because he's a quarterback. I mean, what, what did you, were you down there in person? I'm not sure what the, what the rules were this year with, with, uh, visiting media and scouting, but what were your takeaways either from near or from afar uh, of the buck and, and you know, what is this guy's realistic uh, draft prognosis here? I, yeah, I was down there and I, Ian, Ian was impressive during practice. Um, you know, he's what, what makes him so interesting is obviously what he can do with his legs. Um, you know, he's, he's very instinctive and that doesn't always show in a practice setting like the senior bowl, but I thought he did a nice job. Um, you know, with uh, it, it's tough when you're, you got all the new targets you're throwing to, you got new coaching. It, it, it could take a few days. And I think it, it did. It, it was a little rust from day one, but you want to see progression uh, day two, day three, and then into the game. And, and I thought Ian showed that. So I, I'll be honest. I like Ian book a lot more than I thought I would at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, coming in, uh, you know, Ian was a priority free agent, um, you know, a guy who uh, needed a big senior year to put himself in the draft conversation. And that's exactly what he did. Um, you know, it's and, you know, people will talk about how the quarterback win loss record is, you know, it's it's overrated. It's not a quarterback stat, but, you know, who cares about that stat? NFL teams. And so that makes it relevant. And so having a 30 and five record at Notre Dame over his career, 15 and 0 at home, that's something that uh, it will be a selling point that teams will be talking about 
uh, in the war room when they're stacking these guys on the board. Um, I, I wanted to see him be a little better uh, during red zone drills. That, that was my big issue with watching Ian book on tape. Uh, you know, his, it, when it, when he got down in the red zone, when the field shrunk, that's where he was not at his best. Uh, his completion percentage in the red zone uh, as a senior was 41.7%, which is very low. Um, and I thought he did a better job uh, during practice when uh, they were doing red zone drills, just in terms of seeing it, getting the ball out, being a little quicker. Uh, and that's going to be really important for him. Um, he's not the, the best pocket passer. You know, he's a little hesitant at times with his reads. But, you know, when he has when it's the quick timing throws or he has a chance to uh, use his legs to improvise, that, that's where he's at his best. Uh, it, it, very instinctive. He's a play extender, uh, proven winner. And so because of that, he has a realistic chance to go, uh, you know, somewhere in the fourth to sixth round area. Uh, you know, that early day three for a team that's looking for a, a backup uh, who can, you know, fit their scheme. You know, a lot of movement and just the different things they do. So Ian Book uh, definitely helped himself this year. Let me just preface this by saying I'm not comparing Ian Book to Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow, but <laughs> how much does it matter like who these guys are throwing to in college? Um, Notre Dame did not have Jamar Chase, didn't have T. Higgins, it didn't have Justin Ross, Armari Rogers, all that. Like, and like how does how do NFL teams and, and scouts from your conversations with them sort of like adjust the sliding scale of like how much that matters? Right, and that, that's obviously part of it because evaluating the quarterback position is all about context and understanding what they were asked to do within the confines of that offense. Um, you know, uh, with, the, with the play calling, I mean, you look like a guy like Mac Jones uh, with the talent that he had around him, not just the offensive line, not just the receivers, not just the running back, but the play calling, you know, they put him in position where uh, they were able to find the vulnerable matchup and Devontae Smith's able to get open because of the way they scheme things. And for Mac Jones, it was, you know, uh, you know, he made some difficult throws. It, 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 it's out there. There's no question, but a lot of those throws were fairly routine. Uh, and then you take a guy like Trey Lance from North Dakota state who uh, 17 career starts and 17 and zero as a starter, but you look at his redshirt freshman tape and he averaged 17 pass attempts per game where the running game, they averaged 45 rush attempts per game. So that was still the bread and butter of what they were doing. And that allowed the passing game to flourish. And so it, every single quarterback has some type of story in terms of their context and what, what was going on in their situation. And Ian Book, no different. Um, you know, I, I think that the, when you lean on the running game, when you lean on some of the, the quick game, um, and you know, there are times where he would vacate the pocket early or you know, he just didn't look comfortable. But when you watch the tape and you see guys that you know, no one's open, uh, you know, that's obviously that is something that goes into uh, you know your your thought process when you're evaluating him. So you know, Ian Book's no different. It's 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 there's so many variables here when, when you discuss quarterbacks, and uh, Ian Book certainly has his share of variables when when you really break it down, break down the tape, and understand what he's all about. Simple question with probably not so simple answer, but I'm curious you know, from the seat you're in right now. The last three years, the number one pick of the draft has been a quarterback who, in at least two, if not three of the cases, weren't even believed to be on anyone's draft radar a year before their final college year. This year, that streak's in a break. I think Trevor Lawrence is a known commodity. But how have you seen the marrying of the college and NFL game just become the great equalizer where these guys are just more ready-made than they were before? And and, and you know, how much of that is innovative college offenses versus you know general managers and personnel men who just have – much more open minds than they used to about what a quarterback's supposed to look like. 
Well, yeah, and that last uh, last point that you made was is so key because I, yeah, teams are. It felt like 15, 20 years ago, teams wanted guys that fit exactly what they were looking for. They weren't going to deviate. You know, they were looking for X, Y, and Z uh, for their system. Now teams are saying, "Give us the best talents," you know, and we'll we'll mold our offense to fit what they do best. And so teams are being more open-minded to that. And that's, that's so key uh, in the NFL right now with the, the play callers and what they're looking for a quarterback. And, you know, even though Trevor Lawrence, you know, we've known about, we've, we've known he was going to be the top pick for three years. Uh, you know, the number two pick might be Zach Wilson, who was a fifth rounder coming into the year. So, you know, every year we're seeing this where uh, quarterbacks are able to get hot at the right time, develop at the right time, be in a situation that allowed them to flourish um, and you know, it's, it's, it's just a really interesting part of this, uh, this process is seeing uh, the quarterbacks that have talent and then, you know, they're put in a position where they're able to show it. Um, and you know, we, we saw it with, you know, Kyler Murray and we saw it with, uh, Joe Burrow and, you know, this year with Zach Wilson. So it, it's a lot of fun. It makes it really interesting when, you know, we sit down to evaluate these quarterbacks. I, I think pretty much the consensus around Notre Dame is that Jeremiah Wusukormo will be the, the first guy from Notre Dame picked. Um, you know, I've sort of seen him. You have him, I think you've had a couple mocks where 17th to the Raiders, 19th mm-hmm. to the Lions. I've seen some other places where, you know, the back of the top 10. I, I find him fascinating. One, he's an awesome college player and incredibly fun to watch. I also could see him being a tweener in a bad way in certain systems or a Swiss army knife that could be a, you know, a a force multiplier in the, in a, in the right system. Um, How do you sort of see him? What do, what do scouts and sort of NFL people think of his game? Yeah. And there's a a fine line between uh, being versatile and then not having a true position, you know, and we, we went through this last year with Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson, Uh, you know, where was he going to fit best? There's split opinion team to team on, on that. And it, it'll be similar with the Wusu Um, You know, he was so perfect for that rover position uh, in Clark Lee's scheme. And so, you know, where where does he fit best? And, you know, can he do different things where, you know, you're going to deploy him at linebacker and then maybe as a, a strong safety and then maybe as a nickel, uh, you know, do you feel comfortable as a defense, you know, letting him do those different things? And I, I think that's where uh, teams are trying to just figure that out right now. Um, and it's, when you watch him, he just has so many gifts, uh, the rare explosiveness, uh, the range, uh, the way he can drive on the football with sudden twitch. Um, it's it just really, really impressive to watch. And, you know, sometimes he he, he plays too fast. He's, he plays so cranked up that he will have some false steps. He will, uh, you know, he won't have that clean, uh, that clean opportunity where he's able to square up his target, make the tackle. It'll, it'll make it a little more difficult. And that's going to happen because he plays so aggressive. But I think this is, you know, one of those guys that he has the playmaking range. He has the intelligence that you're looking for, uh, that, you know, you take those traits and you take your chances that he's going to be able to fit and answer uh, or, or fill some of those roles that you have in mind. So I, there, there's so much you can do with a player like this. And it felt like the more that they put on his plate, the more he answered, the more he filled up the stat sheet. 
uh, you know, a bid turning into the ACC defensive player of the year and the, the Buckus award winner. And, you know, the more they were, uh, you know, the more they allowed him to do and the more he performed. So uh, I, I think it's easy to be really optimistic about what he could do at the next level. And for a team that's looking for that defensive playmaker, you know, the Raiders, I think are a perfect fit with, you know, they need that defensive playmaker um, at, at that level. Um, you know, I, I think you look at, Washington football team, they they're looking for that guy at linebacker. Uh, the Patriots could possibly be in the mix. Uh, the Browns, and there, there's a lot of teams that are looking for a playmaker at linebacker who can be a three-down player who can you know wear different hats. And Wusu Koromoa is that guy. So he's he he could easily uh, sneak into the top 12 picks when when you have that type of explosiveness. But there are some teams in the teens that are uh, hoping he falls a little bit. Uso Karamoa to me has always been kind of the the biggest selling point or, or validation, if you will, about the development process of Notre Dame's coaching staff. You know, they've taken a guy like him who's a three star and made him be a guy who's probably going to be a first round pick. And they've had countless other uh, players in that position in years past. I'm curious. I mean, you get around the country, you see these guys from when they're you know 17, 18 years old to when they're ready made products for the NFL. Uh, how much can you speak to the development process of Notre Dame's coaching staff and I don't know if you want to get into the comparison game, but but just you know what they're able to do compared to some others. Because again, if you go by the recruiting rankings, these guys shouldn't be in the playoff two of the last three years, but here they are. Right? Yeah, that that's that's very key. Uh, you know, the evaluation part of it is is big, but the development is you could argue is even more important because once you get them on campus, you've got to mold them. And you know, I think when you're whether you're scouting or you're recruiting, uh, you know, the, the overlap there, you're looking for athletes and you're looking for guys that, you know, fit uh, what you're looking for in terms of intelligence. And I think Wusu Koromoa is a perfect fit. I mean, he, he had basketball scholarships. He, he could, he could have went that route if he wanted to. I mean, he, he is so athletic and you just, you felt like he was uh, on the upswing and he's still, he's still a very young player. Uh, you know, he, I think he's what just turned 21 in November. So for a redshirt junior, he, he's on the younger side. So I think he's a, a great example of a guy that that's exactly what you target an athlete who is smart I and mean, he's recruited by Yale. Uh, and he, he was also a young player. So there, there's a lot that I think for that situation that made sense for a player like that's who you go after. Um, but even you look at some of the, some of these other guys on defense with Dalen Hayes and uh, a good, a, a, uh, how do you say that? Uh, a, 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 <laughs> uh, the, the, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, these guys were, uh, you know, really, really talented, but there was a little bit of a leap of faith with both of them because they didn't play a ton of high school football. Um, and they were, there were a little bit of projects, but when you bet on the athleticism, you bet on uh, some of those traits, uh, you know, good things can happen. That's why, you know, and people get, uh, you know, uh, annoyed with the 40 yard dash and things like that at the combine. And, you know, it's, it, what does that have to do with football NFL teams? It, it's all about traits more so than anything else. And they're going to bet on traits and, you know, try to coach up the rest. And sometimes it doesn't work out, but a lot of times it does. And I think that's something that Notre Dame has done in terms of their recruiting is just bet on the traits, recruit those traits, and then bring them to the campus and we'll develop that. Notre Dame has four offensive linemen, I think, that prop could be drafted. Um, I don't know if Tommy Kramer fits in as like a, a day three pick for you or not. But um, this sort of gets back to kind of what Fortuna just asked about, you know, maybe Notre Dame's reputation of being a good developmental program. On the offensive line, like 
do scouts and NFL people sort of look at Notre Dame and their offensive line output and be like, well, if I when in doubt, like the Notre Dame guy's probably going to work out um, because I think over time they have. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, uh, uh, you know, they've done it with multiple or, you know, different offensive line coaches. Um, but just the culture that they have set there, it cer- certainly it does not go unnoticed by NFL teams and scouts. Um, and it's routinely they, they've been able to do it, um, getting the right guys, recruiting the right guys um, and doing it, you know, getting guys from California, getting guys from Ohio, um, you know, where it might not be easy. But when you have the pedigree uh, where uh, you're, you're producing offensive line, uh, NFL offensive linemen year in, year out. That's that's something that carries over to recruiting. And so I think not only are they developing the guys, but they're recruiting the right guys and they're able to get them when you've got, you know, the Ronnie Stanley's, the Mike McGlinchey's, the Zach Martin's, all, all the guys that came before. Uh, and you can just, you know, that's the recruiting pitch is, you know, say the, show the pipeline. And so you're able to, you know, get a, you know, a Liam Meikenberg and take him out of Cleveland uh, or some of these other guys just you know, from different places around the country. Uh, and that, that's the biggest thing as, as any is uh, being able to say, hey, this is the pipeline. You want to go play pro one day? Uh, we're going to help you get there. And, you know, it, it's just going to this is another example for the future uh, recruit, recruiting classes. They're going to have four draft picks. Uh, or may, maybe probably probably three. Uh, I think Kramer will, uh, you know, probably get signed as a free agent. But three draft picks on that offensive line. I mean, that, that's a strong selling point when you're trying to recruit uh, offensive linemen in Notre Dame. Dane, you're a product of Mount Union, the latest um, to to make it big, I should say, at the, <laughs> at the football in football um, at the professional level. But you didn't play. You have kind of a, a different kind of background, and here you are as a you know the the draft guru for the athletic. I don't know if anyone can really appreciate what it takes to be in your business and to do it well. Can you, how'd you get into it? I mean, you had to start really young. You had to do a lot of things on your own. Uh, can you just kind of take us through that path and some of the lessons you took from being around Mount Union? Uh, yeah. Well, growing up in Northeast Ohio, uh, you know, when, when the Browns came back in 1999, something clicked for me uh, where it was just, you know, I was a you know, 12 years old and they're the number one pick in the draft. And I'm just like, this is fascinating. You know, like what, who do they pick? Why? And and what makes a good college player or a great NFL player? And it was just a, such a fascinating process to me. Um, And so I, you know, turned this overzealous hobby into uh, you know, career. There's nothing else I wanted to do. And so I went to Mount union and I worked for the football team and was around, uh, you know, a great football program, a lot of great coaches, uh, you know, Matt Campbell was there, um, you know, when I was a sophomore, um, you know, so just, you know, being around him, you knew he was destined for big things uh, back, even back then, um, you know, Jason Candle, all these guys. Um, and, and, you know, it's uh, it, it's something where uh, Pierre Garçon, he was a C, he and I were seniors together. And so his senior year, we had scouts coming through nonstop. Uh, on campus, usually during the week to watch them during practice. You know, maybe they're on their way to Columbus to, you know, see Ohio State on Saturday, but they'd stop in Alliance to to see Pierre. And I was it was up to me. I, it was my job to take these scouts around campus and take them to practice and take them different places and, you know, make sure they had everything they needed. And it was uh, that, that was how I started my networking. That's how I started to learn about the ins and outs of scouting. And that, that was that was my informal scouting education. Um, and learning from a lot of different scouts and just doing it that way and then starting you know, doing scouting on my own. And thankfully, it, it kind of took off and something that you know I still have a lot of those 
friendships, um, a lot of those networking, uh, you know, that's still uh, still alive with uh, NFL teams today. And that's, it, it helps me do my job. And so it's just a lot of fun. I've, you know, uh, I've had some opportunities to, you know, be with some NFL teams and, you know, I've kind of enjoyed what I'm doing now. And uh, it, it's certainly a challenge, certainly, uh, you know, a lot of work, but it's, it's really enjoyable. I, I really enjoy doing it. And it's something that, uh, I, I can, you know, kind of look out for 32 teams instead of focusing on, you know, one team, one organization, one scheme. Uh, you know, I can I can look at all these guys and really uh, break down, OK, where would they fit best and, you know, what do they do best and and how does that project to the next level? And so just uh, n- nothing else I'd rather be doing. It's a lot of fun. Well, I do want to ask about, I think, the most intriguing Notre Dame guy, not because he's going to be the first drafted, but I think there's the biggest difference of opinion on him. And it's tight end Tommy Trumbull, you know, leaves after three years, not a ton of college production, some high school injuries. You and I have sort of exchanged some messages about him before. How do you like how do you see the draft shaking out for him? I mean, it's my understanding he got a, a third round grade, um, which even that for for his production might surprise some people. How, how do you sort of see him as a, as a prospect in the draft? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan, um, and I, I think when you look at what he does best as as a blocker, uh, that translates pretty quickly to the next level. And uh, not only that, but you feel like there's untapped potential for him as a receiver. Uh, you know, he it, the the sample size is not there. He has one career game over 50 yards receiving, um, so you know it, it's not there. And he's not a proven yak threat. You know, yards after the catch, only 35.9 percent of his yards. Uh, came after the catch, which is, you know, complete opposite. You look at Brevin Jordan from Miami and it's like 67% uh, of his yards came after the catch. And so uh, does not have that sample size, 35 career catches. Uh, if you add up all of his catches in high school and in college, it's still under a hundred. Uh, so it's just the the sample size of, of uh, what you're looking for, not there. Uh, but when you look at what he's able to do on the field, he's you know physical downhill blocker. Uh, he looks like a bodyguard out there as a lead blocker. Uh, physical hands, aggressive demeanor. He can J block. He can steal outside run lanes. Comfortable in space as a move blocker. Uh, you know he's he's really developed his body over the years, uh, the way he's grown, and that's that's shown on the field with his play strength. Um, and then just, uh, you know, when he is targeted, I, I think, you know, it's been positive results. He, he will have drops that's, you know, that's, that's going to happen. Um, you know, he needs to be uh, more reliable in that area. I think I, it's six drops over the last two years, which is not a huge number, but it is a little bit of a bigger number when you consider, uh, his, his target share. Um, but uh, this is a guy that I think is got a lot of untapped potential. So when you look at the tight ends in this class, uh, you know, Kyle Pitts is obviously going top 10, top 12 somewhere. He, he's the top guy. Then I think Pat Fryermuth, Brevin Jordan, uh, you know, those two guys are fighting out to be second and third. And then I think Tommy Trumbull uh, is right there in that mix to be a top 80, top 100 pick. Uh, you know, he, he's duking it out with Hunter Long to be that, that fourth uh, tight end off the board. But I think he's very, very comfortably a top five tight end in his class and going to end up being a better better pro than college player. Uh, we saw it a few years ago, Dawson Knox out of Ole Miss. The, the Bills drafted him in the third round. Uh, he didn't have a, a, you know, he had very low production with the way Ole Miss used him, didn't have a touchdown in his career. Um, so, you know, teams have shown they're not, they're not scared off by the lack of production when you, again, take into context the way he was used and utilized. 
uh, they're going to see some untapped potential there. So I expect Tommy Trumbull to be off the board somewhere top top 80, top 90 picks. Dane's uh, latest mock draft published five days ago on The Athletic. Uh, a lot of people profess themselves to be draft experts. I mean, Pete and I have had some pretty laughable moments in our time covering Notre Dame with some of the prognosticators and whatnot out there. How much goes into this? I mean, you're putting together a one-round mock draft. You'll eventually, I think, do the beast and do all seven rounds and, and rank everyone. How much How much goes into that? Like, how thoroughly, just for our listeners, for everyone who thinks this job is maybe a little bit easier than than, uh, than um, it actually is, what goes into this? How far back are you studying some of these guys, too? I mean, you just gave us a huge scouting report on Tommy Trumbull dating back to, to high school. I mean, how thorough are you getting with each and every guy and, and, and you know, how long does it take you from start to finish to put together something as steep as, as a seven-round mock? Well, you know, I think the biggest challenge um, is knowing when to stop on a guy and say, okay, I got to figure it out. Because there's always more tape. You could watch, you know, for some of these guys, you can watch four years, five years of tape. And the biggest challenge um, is just knowing when to cut it off and say, okay, I think I've seen enough of this guy. I know where he is. Time to move on. You know, there's only so many hours in a day. Ideally, you'd watch everything you can, but it's just not possible. So, you know, this is a year-round thing for me where in the summer I'm I'm doing nothing but watching tape and, you know, working, working the phones and, you know, talking to high school coaches that, that coach these guys to find out more about them, um, you know, talking to, to scouts and trading notes about, uh, you know, certain things going on with each player. And so it, it's a big information sharing system, um, you know, that I take part in. And then, you know, it's just the, the tape is a lifeblood. And <clears throat> it, like I said, it could be tough to know when they cut it off. But that's the, the, the goal is, is to, you know, write a report to uh, if you know nothing about the player, uh, I'm going to write a report. So you when you when you're done with that report, you have a pretty good idea of where he's been and where he's headed. And I think that's to me the most most enjoyable part of this this job is researching each one of these journeys, because no, no two kid, no, no two of these kids, these players have the same journey. Uh, it's all different. Uh, you know, Tommy Trumbull with, you know, uh, moving from, you know, he's a defensive minded player growing up. He wanted to be like his dad, play on defense. He moves to tight end in high school, has a pretty good junior year and then doesn't play or yet played in one game, two games as a senior and then, uh, you know, had the broken ankle. So, you know, you know, that that's its context. It, it's really important to understand where they've been to know where they're headed. And so learning the journey of each one of these players is is so awesome. It's a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, Chase Claypool last year, who I was, you know, embarrassingly low, lower on than where he should have been. Uh, I think I had a, an early third round grade on him and, you know, he should have should have been higher uh, as he showed as a rookie. But, you know, learning about his journey and talking to him and all the it's it just it's a it's a lot of fun. So the the draft guide, the beast is something I take a lot of pride in. Uh, you know, there's over 400 reports in there um, just trying to paint a picture of each one of these guys, um, you know, rank them and all the information you need is in there. And so it's, it's, it's a lot of work. I mean, my, the, the months of February and March basically don't happen for me because it's just, I'm hunkered down working on these, uh, these reports, trying to get them done. But uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy doing it. I, I want to put you on a spot, just sort of rapid fire. Cause I've, I think we've talked about sort of more the the premier guys or the mm -hmm. most intriguing guys, but like, Dalen Hayes, Ade Ogundeje, like you mentioned them a little bit. Like, where do you sort of see both of them? Do they do they have sort of similar draft profiles for you, or do you see them as distinct, different players in terms of how NFL scouts see them? 
they're different uh, in terms of styles, but I think they're both in similar ranges. They're both uh, in, in that fourth to sixth round range. Um, I, I thought they both helped themselves um, at the senior bowl. Uh, maybe one of them could sneak into the top 100. That's not impossible, uh, especially when you're talking about pass rusher. Uh, you know, you, you have got two guys that have a lot of traits and you feel like they're not done developing, you know, they're getting better and better and better, uh, with Hayes, that athletic frame, his lower body agility, he's going to be a better pro than college player. I I think he needs to weaponize his hands a little bit more, uh, you know, just improve his rush efficiency, but he's, he's what you want in a developmental pass rush prospect. Um, I, I think the shoulder issues are going to be important. You know, the medicals will be really important for him just to, to make sure that there's nothing going on with the shoulder. But as long as the medicals, uh, you know, are two thumbs up, uh, you know, Dalen Hayes is exactly what you're looking for in a development of pass rusher. And then uh, uh, Ogun Deji, uh, you know, he's he's really long and he can play inside, outside, and he can give you a little bit of versatility there. Um, you know, <clears throat> a really talented height, weight, speed prospect. Uh, that, that length's really intriguing, uh, heavy handed player plays, uh, plays with speed. And that's, that's going to give him a chance, uh, needs to, you know, learn how to use his power, his leverage, uh, needs to develop his instincts a little more to be a consistent factor. But again, this is the type of the, the type of guy that you, you bet on those traits. You want to develop guys like that. So both these guys are toolsy players who are, I think are, in that fourth, fifth uh, round mix, uh, maybe a chance to sneak into the top 100 if the right team uh, is looking for that developmental guy. I'll also put you on the spot. Give me a guy in the 2022 class from Notre Dame other than Kyle Hamilton, who's going to be a high draft pick and have a productive NFL career. Uh, well, let's see here. Um, the, uh, the, the, the the center, I haven't looked at him enough yet, Patterson. Um uh, he, uh, you know, when you're watching these other offensive linemen, you know, he, you're, you're focused on those guys, but you can't help but notice him. He, he, I think he's a really, really talented player who uh, is very coordinated at the point of attack. He plays with some power. He can get underneath defenders. Um, it's going to be interesting when, you know, you, you lose so much around you and that there's a comfort level there. And so seeing him uh, next year in 2022 is going to be really interesting to see how he can uh, uh, adjust. I mean, he's going to be the leader of that offensive line, but how does he adjust when, uh, you know, a lot of his buddies are no longer there. So uh, really looking forward to watching him, but yeah, I mean, Kyle Hamilton, that's, that's the guy I can't, you know, once the draft is over uh, that's when I start to, I take about a few days, maybe a week to just decompress. And then I, I get excited about jumping into next year's class. And I think Kyle Hamilton will probably end up being one of my first, first watches uh, for the next year, because he's just, you know, he's so much fun. There's not many Kyle Hamilton's walking around this earth that can do what he can do. So uh, looking forward to more, uh, looking more on him. The fun tape to watch for sure. Uh, the the four offensive linemen, you know, Eichenberg, you've sort of written about a little bit. Do you, where do you sort of see Banks, Hainsey, and I mean, Kramer, you mentioned probably seventh round undrafted free agent. But we're, mm-hmm. I'm curious about Banks and Hainsey because like Banks massive massive guy um and light on his feet for that size whereas Hainsey I've always felt like he was a tackle in college because they needed a tackle but probably built more like an interior guy Mm -hmm. really you know not quite a four-year starter because he didn't he only started once his freshman year but played a ton um how like how how do those guys sort of slot out for you Banks and Hainsey 
Well, I think with Hainsey, something that helps him is just the the football character. Um, you know, whenever I talk to a scout about Hainsey, I think that's they bring up his 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 football character, the way he carries himself. They bring that up first. Uh, you know, they say he's wired the right way, the leadership traits. Um, you know, the two time team captain. Uh, you know, that that's what they talk about. And so that's and that's something that NFL teams certainly care about uh, fit in their culture. Um, but when you talk about him on the field, he's he, I mean, I think you, you you got him nailed. Exactly. He's he's viewed as more of a guard. Even some teams have him on the board as a center prospect, um, only average feet. Uh, the timing needs to get better, but he's strong. He's instinctive. Uh, he works really hard to keep his blocks centered. And so, you know, we're talking about a tackle to guard conversion that I think he can do, uh, you know, because his, you know, he doesn't have the longest arms because his tempo, his punch needs to get a little bit better. There's, there's little margin for error there, but uh, he's, he's consistently in, in, in position to keep defenders uh, in front of him to keep them tied up. So it doesn't always look pretty, but Hainsey consistently gets the job done. And so I think, yeah, he, you kick him inside. He's going to be a backup for a long time, maybe give you some uh, guard center versatility, maybe even can kick out the tackle in a pinch if you absolutely needed it. But yeah, he, he looks like a guard at the next level. And then Banks, uh, you know, he's he's more of, like you said, he, he's that big brawler, massive size. Um, you know, he's uh, the, the body girth, the brute strength, the physical attitude. He's just going to take up space and he's going to anchor and be a hard guy to move. Uh, not the most dynamic athlete, maybe not be a, a natural fit for every scheme uh, with a team or that's just looking for more movement, but he's got a little mobility to his game. You know, he showed that with when he's, you know, pulling and blocking on the move uh, needs to get better with his hand placement and his body posture just to match up with NFL defenders, but the massive size, the brawling strength, uh, he can be a square dominating blocker. And, and so I think he's, he's looked at as a potential starter, both Hainsey and, uh, and banks, I think are, you know, third, fourth, fifth round, uh, just quality offensive linemen that at worst are going to be, you know, uh, backups in a league for a long time. And, you know, maybe eventually will get their, their shot at starting at the league at a league level. Notre Dame obviously just hired Marcus Freeman from Cincinnati to coordinate their defense. I'm curious in your time, especially in that state, you probably don't want to speak in generalities, but is there a trait or characteristic or a common theme you see in players that have come from that program and just how ready they have been to step up to the next level? Well, you know, it's, uh, you know, growing up in, in Ohio, uh, you know, watching Marcus Freeman come up, uh, you know, uh, in that Ohio state program, uh, he was there when Trestle was there. Uh, you know, he, he was always a guy that you pegged as a future coach and, yeah, then he he works his way up through the ranks, you know, spends a lot of time with Coach Fickle and, you know, Coach Fickle with the way he carries himself and the way he learned under Trestle and some other coaches, um, you know, he, he was really put on the fast track. And so, uh, you know, with, with with Coach Freeman, you know, he's a guy that's looking for toughness. He's looking for he's a guy that's looking for, uh, you know, intelligent players. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's that's what showed at Cincinnati because we watch that defense. You see a guy, a lot of guys that are just assignment sound. You see players that uh, you know they are. They don't look lost out there. They may not be the best athletes. Um, they might not you know match up uh, pound for pound in terms of strength, but they they don't make a lot of mental mistakes. And that was consistent 
watching Cincinnati this year, really on both sides of the ball, but especially on defense. And so uh, it just feels like, uh, you know, Coach Freeman's a guy that it really hits home in terms of technique, in terms of the details, in terms of knowing your role and taking care of your responsibilities. And that, that's something that uh, I'm sure is going to carry over with them to uh, to South Bend. So I they uh, they must have had, must have had a good pitch to uh, pry him from uh, the situation he had going on in, at Cincinnati. And so I'm eager to, to, to track his development even more now uh, with the Irish. You know, one last thing for me, I think we've got eight, eight Notre Dame players almost certain to be drafted with book yep. probably being the eighth of the eighth. So that sort of leaves, you know, Sean Crawford, Nick McLeod, Tommy Kramer, Javon McKinley, Brock Wright, Ben Skoranek. I mean, of, of that group, is there anybody who are like, okay, you know, I kind of like him as a, a late round guy where I could see a team sort of valuing his skill set that, you know, kind of a um, beauty and they have eye of the beholder prospect. Is it of, of those remaining guys? Is there anybody that's intriguing to you? It probably has to be Skoranek just because, you know, at that point in the draft, you're looking for guys that can help you out in different ways. And that's what Skoranek can do. He is a, uh, bully as a blocker. So, you know, when you go to four wide receiver sets and he gets on the field, you know, he's going to take care of his business as a blocker. Um, you know, it's what he can do on special teams coverages, uh, you know, just the versatility that he brings. Some teams are even looking at him at maybe a, an undersized tight end, maybe trying to bulk him up a little bit and, and do something like that. Uh, the, the durability is a little bit of a factor with him. Uh, you know, had the, the ankle injury at Northwestern, then he had a hamstring at Notre Dame, then he had the foot injury during senior bowl practices. So, you know, the, the medicals will be important with him just trying to figure out, uh, you know, is he going to be able to stay on the field? But, you know, he's an asset in the run game because what he can do, you know, mix it up as a blocker. Uh, he's uh, can be a downfield threat with his high pointing skills, his catch radius, uh, his competitive nature. That's something that really stands out on film. So I, that gives him a shot to stick on an NFL block, uh, NFL roster uh, as a back end receiver, a possible developmental tight end who will make an impact on special teams. That, that the more you can do, that's what teams are looking for. So I, I would even I, I'm projecting him as a sixth or seventh rounder. So that would give Notre Dame what nine probably nine. draft picks, yeah. and they haven't had ten. I, I looked it up last night since 1994. So you know we're, we're there. This is a this is a pretty loaded class. Even if you know most of these guys will probably be on day three, uh, it's pretty impressive. And then you know even the, the the PFAs, you know the guys that you mentioned, I think will have a shot. You know Tommy Kramer. Uh, you know, he can dominate in a phone booth when he, when he's uh, his balance is right. And he's not off balance, uh, you know, too much of a waist bender, uh, not the most explosive player, but when he stays within himself, he's got that upper body power, the strong hands where, you know, he can, uh, he can take care of defenders. McLeod's interesting because the height length, uh, you know, he's, he's physical and press. He's got the compete skills that you want um, a little too stiff, uh, a little too upright. His footwork's all over the place. Uh, it gets a little grabby. So he needs to clean up some things, but you know, he's got a shot in camp and then, uh, you know, Sean Crawford, uh, you know, he's you know, a, a veteran. He's a little undersized, but uh, does a nice job playing through the hands of receivers. Um, so it, Notre Dame's got a few guys that even if they don't go, even if they do go undrafted, you know, they've got a shot in camp to maybe uh, make some noise and at least get on a practice squad. Awesome, Dane. Really appreciate you taking the time with us. Thorough evaluation of, of guys. I think, you know, even the, the most diehard Notre Dame fans probably didn't have um, on their draft radar come this spring, but appreciate you taking the time and um, good luck. The grind's only just beginning for you, especially with uh, everyone kind of spread throughout the country and, and less opportunities to see these guys up close. Appreciate everything you guys do. And um, thanks again for joining us. 
I've been wanting to talk draft since July, so I'm just happy if people <laughs> want to talk draft now. Uh, so I, I'm welcoming it. It's uh, it's going to be a, a crazy next few months, but it's going to be fun. So I appreciate you guys. Yeah, well, if you if you need any expert opinions on Kyle Hamilton, Fortuna and I are here to tell you that he's quite a good player, and an NFL team should draft him very high next year. All right, well, I'm looking forward to, to probably in June, probably sitting down watching him. I'll, I'm sure I'll be blowing you guys up, uh, you know, with maybe some clips. Did you guys see this? Did you, I mean, just it, it's going to be a lot of fun. So it's Notre Dame. I, I know I can go to Notre Dame. There's always going to be some dudes uh, in terms of uh, the next level. So it's uh, it's a pretty good program. Awesome. All right. Well, Dane, thanks again for uh, joining us here on the Shamrock with all sorts of good draft insight on Notre Dame's roster this year.